Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Okay, so you've planted yourself right here, and you are uh, going to get a couple of hours of great entertainment for the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. It's uh, brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midget production. Very special guest today is always a very special guest. It's uh, Alex Ben Block out of California, uh, entertainment industry and journalist, uh, entertainment industry journalist and author. Uh, you've also probably read maybe one of his books. Who knows? You read his columns in the Miami News, the Detroit News, or uh, all over the place. And he also has a weekly radio show as well on uh, KPCC in Southern California. That's an FM station. Anyway, uh, he's joining us for two hours today here on the Advertising Show. A lot more, too, in just a couple of minutes. A um, Patrick Meyer, Marketing Insider. He's been with us quite a while. Different look at CRM is what he's talking about. Joe Jaffe has his different perspective, and it's uh, user-generated content, okay, which is a big deal. And um, what else? Jeffrey Gittimer has the secret formula in less than 30 minutes for customer loyalty. That's wonderful. And uh, here's another one. Um, did you know that uh, Bin Laden is now in reruns? Are you Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. I'm, I'm just <laughs> try- I'm envisioning that. Okay, fine, it's fine. Don't do that, you I wonder if uh, Buena Vista is distributing. I don't know, and I sure hope yeah. they don't. If they are, we're in trouble. Uh, let's see. The Wacky World of Marketing. Uh, next hour, we're going to talk to you about cheap ads. Cheap ads, and it's uh, it's our advertising showcase later on this hour. It was a, a, a feature that we, th- what, we held off from last week uh, for talking about, and now we're talking about it this week. Well, so actually, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Volkswagen's new campaign from Crispin Porter last week, and mm-hmm. uh didn't want to talk too much about it because we're featuring it today. Okay, then let's not. Yeah. Uh, okay. United Airlines. Did. United Airlines Flight 93. Okay. Mm-hmm. Really move uh, your tail for me. What? <laughs> no, that was the one that went down. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. United Airlines, name visible across the country this week, uh, trumpeted as part of the uh, multi-million dollar marketing campaign uh, seen on the commercials, discussed on talk shows. It's all part of the uh, publicity onslaught. The airline is trying hard to avoid. We hate that kind of publicity, they mm-hmm. say. United uh, 93, um, let's see, debuted, or no, it, it's debuting this Friday in movie theaters. Uh, actually, it's this past Friday, excuse me. It tells the story of one of the four airplanes hijacked on 9-11, and although the film has drawn harsh criticism from some who feel it reopens the emotional wound, as United Airlines has uh, worked to stay neutral, which is a good thing. You know, this is really not about United Airlines, uh, and it's sad that they're kind of put in that position. And I, I don't know, Brad, what do you think? Is it too soon well, to be talking about, uh, you know, for the movies to come out and uh, portray these uh, these these people on, 90, on uh, Flight 93? You know, if you're a person that knows someone that was a part of that tragedy, the answer is probably yes for the rest of us and the people that would be attending that film. Uh, no, I don't think it is too early. It's a dicey subject. And with regard to United, obviously, uh, it's it's one thing to, you know, have a plane go down, whether it's through terrorism or just uh, accident. Sure. Yeah. But having to relive your name associated with that, especially with all the changes that have taken place with security and, and uh, airports and uh, 
uh, air marshals and so forth. Uh, I guess that's the kind of publicity you don't you don't look forward to, but it's part mm-hmm. of history and it's part of what happened. So there's a new movie a little bit later on this year. Oliver Stone's going to do uh, World Trade Center. It'll be released later this year. So that'll. Which, th- That'll of course, will be controversial because he's doing it just like with uh, you know the thing in, uh, that he did with uh, Oswald and mm-hmm. he, he you know he always does, it'll be interesting to see what he what his take is on this. But whenever he does uh, a film, he always uh, uh, you know pushes the envelope a bit and creates exactly. controversy on the subject, which is good. I suppose that's his job, and he does a good job at it as well. Yeah, Patrick Myers with us here on the advertising show. Brad, we're going to do this real quick because uh, yep. I want to make sure we get him on. So well. Uh, Yes. Patrick, come sit down. Thank you very much. It's your turn. Go ahead. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Recently, as we were working on an innovation project for one of our clients, we met with the CRM agency and the internal team responsible for relationship marketing. They were really proud of new rewards card, linkage to a customer's card, database, online. But what I realized in that presentation was that the world of CRM is caught up on the mechanics and the tools, and that the real driver of CRM is about something totally different, and somehow it got lost. A smart CMO would come at it with this perspective. The number one driver of a brand and its loyalty starts with the product and the service. So if I said to you, you want to have maximum brand loyalty, here's what you need. Product innovation is the start. They're looking for limited edition products. They want retail experiences that are new and different. They're looking for new online experiences. They're looking for package and design. They're looking for new ways to be touched in their passion point, hobbies, and areas by brands. That is what drives loyalty. 18 to 24 month plan where you pulse against all of those things, all orchestrated to surprise and delight the consumer. Now bring in the loyalty card. Now bring in the customer marketing program and the rewards and the emails that pulse. Bring all of those tools in, but do it as a way to pulse against the brand's news value and intriguing experiential components for the consumer. So my challenge to you is take your CRM program, crack it wide open. You've got probably great stuff that's happening, but reconnect it to what's really driving your business, which is news value, product, service, advertising, media, innovation. Make sure it's completely orchestrated. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. Patrick is a a busy guy. In addition to uh, uh, producing uh, these uh, things that we do here, whoops, you went away. Hold on, Brad. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, In addition to, uh, you know, being on the advertising show, he's also doing some other stuff, I understand, as well. Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's blogging now, and if uh, any of our listeners listening around the world at theadvertisingshow.com, if you if you like what you hear and you uh, with Patrick Meyer and you want to you want to blog with the guy, uh, log on to I assume X A N G A X A N G A would be Zanga. Would that be pronounced with a Z? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Zanga.com slash Patrick Meyer. That's X A N G A dot com slash Patrick Meyer, and that's M E Y E R, and uh, you know, send him, send him your. Uh, just talk to the guy. He he always likes to talk, and uh, mm-hmm. he's a great guy, and he certainly is uh, has a lot to say, as you can tell by listening to his uh, vignettes. Hey, Ray, uh, the the oh, other day, to say, and if you mention the advertising show, you'll get ten percent off. Yes. Yeah, uh, no, it's free, and log on and say hello from the advertising show. What the uh, you've you've seen these recruitment sp- TV spots where they try to get people to participate in these medical studies and so forth. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yes. I heard one. That, uh, it stopped me in the tracks. In my tracks, I, I had reason to be around a TV around the lunch hour. It was in a waiting room, and I looked up and uh, was engaged with this TV spot that was kind of weird, because it was an osteoporosis menopausal study. Gotcha. Which, of course, always gets my attention. But at the end uh, of the spot, they're doing the proverbial disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, over 18 years of age, must be of good health, not currently taking prescription drugs. And then they ended with, sure. you must have a uterus. And I thought, well, there, there you go. You and I won't be able to participate in that. You know, I saw that spot. You, <laughs> you have did. to have a uterus. Yeah, well, you know. Okay, because, you know, yeah. some lawyer somewhere said, you, you've got to put it in. Because last time we got lots of calls from people. Who thought showing up, yeah, showing up it. without one. <laughs> it's BYOU. You know. Yes, yeah. yes. Right, something like that. <laughs> On the advertising show, Alex Ben Block is uh, joining us uh, for both hours here, so we hope you stay with us for more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. You know me. Would you believe I'm Bugs Bunny? I'm also the voice of many other cartoon characters. But in here, they don't care if I'm Elmer Fudd. So I carry an American Express card. On The Advertising Show, Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth. And as promised, our very special guest for this hour and for next hour is Alex Ben Block, an entertainment industry journalist and author. Alex writes about personalities, trends, news, and broadcast satellite and cable television. Uh, Alex is also a regular panelist for Call Sheet. It's an independent look at the entertainment business, which is heard uh, weekly on national public radio affiliate KPCC-FM in Southern California. And we understand you also stream that as well, Alex. He was uh, previously the editor of The Hollywood Reporter for seven years, longer than anybody else has ever held that title. Uh, let's see, uh, the uh, associate editor for Forbes, city editor for the L.A. Herald Examiner, columnist for the Detroit News, and uh, editor for the uh, entertainment editor, that is for the uh, Miami News, and much, much more. Alex, uh, if you listen to the show, we have uh, Alex on uh, quite frequently, and that's a great thing. Welcome back to the advertising show. It is great to have you here. Thanks so much. I always enjoy being here. Yeah, and Alex, uh, I'm glad you were able to read the abbreviated uh, version of Alex's bio, Ray. Or There's more. Taking yes. a break by now. Yeah, let's stay w- Before we jump into the heart of the matter, which you're always such a, a wealth of knowledge about the television industry, let's stay with the lighter side for a moment uh, of television. Uh, Katie Couric's been in the news lately, and of course, all by now, everyone knows about her move to CBS and NBC making Meredith Vieira uh, the new co-anchor. Curious to get your thoughts, and just as a reminder for our listeners that are are, are not regular listeners, uh, we asked Alex about gosh, eight, eight months ago about uh, Katie, and you said she was staying at NBC, and we said she would leave, and my goodness. Well, you're visionaries. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. And you're buying drinks, pal. That's right. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? <laughs> what are your thoughts on this, Alex? Well, you know, CBS uh, really wanted Katie Kirk. Uh, Leslie Moonves and his team really went after her, and they got her. And I think for Katie Kirk, it's about making a uh, change in her career, a change in her hours, a chance to become seen as a more serious news person. And, uh, and all of that is interesting. But the question is, first of all, is the evening news program still relevant? since uh, it's not as big a moneymaker as the morning show. And today, when you hear news, a lot of people instantly go to cable or to the Internet or listen to radio, and uh, by the time they see the evening news, 
Uh, it may or may not be fresh. So what she can bring to that in terms of analysis, in terms of keeping it together, uh, you know, it's 22 minutes a day of being a newsreader, but it's also, as Bob Schieffer has shown, all about having a great presence. So I'm not going to underestimate Katie Couric, but I think you have to also say that she has a tremendous challenge ahead of her, uh, both to be accepted in that role, which is not just to be on that show, but also she's going to be on 60 Minutes, and she's going to, in the case of an emergency or some natural disaster, one now assumes she will be the face of CBS News. So yeah. uh, we'll see how it goes, but I, I wish her luck. What about, her, what about her replacement on NBC? What do you think about that? Well, I'm a big fan of Meredith Vieira. I think that she's a great talent. Uh, some people have said it should be Katie Couric taking the old Dan Rather chair. Uh, excuse me, it should be Meredith Vieira taking the old Katie, the old uh, Dan Rather chair, not Katie Couric. Hmm. And to some extent, I agree with that. She actually has a better news background. Uh, but I think Meredith Vieira is going to be a great presence in the morning, and I think she will be successful on NBC's Today Show. You know, while we're weighing in, I think uh, Meredith's, uh, you know, uh, deciding to get into emceeing game shows and, of course, The View uh, mm-hmm. may have tainted her a bit to still have the credibility for the CBS Evening News. What do you think, Alex? Well, you're probably right. Uh, I'm sure in terms of taking that particular position, it uh, did have an effect on her career. You know, she went through a transition. She had her own personal problems. Her husband has MS, and uh, she has children, and she had other considerations. Uh, But you're probably right in terms of getting that kind of job that probably did make it less likely. You know, uh, Natalie Morales, who we now know as a national correspondent, uh, NBC named her a national correspondent for the Today Show uh, recently. For a while, I was convinced that Natalie was going to uh, was being groomed for the co-anchor position on Today, thinking that uh, her presence there would attract a younger audience and, instead of uh, Vieira. And uh, obviously, NBC didn't agree with that. Did, can you uh, could could you have envisioned that? And if if so, could that be a strategy to attract a younger audience? Well, I'm sure they'd like to attract a younger audience, and she certainly was, in terms of the media anyway, one of the names that was bantered about. And recently, uh, NBC actually has given Natalie Morales kind of a a boosted title and uh, a new contract, and I think that uh, she's on a a fast track there, but I think it's a little early in her career to be the co-anchor of of the show. Little known fact, by the way, guys, Howie Mandel was uh, Couric's talent agent on that deal. By the way, was no. or no? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That show. Well, that's funny. Uh, Ray, what do we have? A couple minutes left? Oh, more than a couple. Oh, okay. Like, like three, maybe. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, the unusual move where the major broadcast networks banded together recently. Alex has all been in the news to take on the FCC over recent fines and citations for so-called indecency uh, issues. And even in some cases, I know there was a network that stepped up to the line uh, or two that, that weren't even involved in any of these indecency actions. Talk a little bit about this. It is very unusual for the networks to come together uh, and go into a lawsuit and particularly to take on the federal government because they've been so timid in the past. And, but they have a real fight on their hands here. The indecency rules, while there is a reason for them and children do need to be protected, have become something of a political football. And there's a lot of controversy about just what they really mean. They also put the broadcast television industry at a disadvantage to the cable television industry and satellite and, and uh, home video competitors because these rules only apply to those over-the-air broadcasters they don't apply to, say, Spike TV or HBO or uh, any, anybody on pay TV. 
So uh, the networks, this is really a matter of life and death for them. And I think that's why it's so unprecedented. On the other hand, just as in the last few days you've had Chairman Martin of the uh, FCC, who's being reappointed, say that he sees nothing wrong with the rules. He doesn't think they're vague, and he thinks the enforcement was absolutely correct. So there's a, a hardened political position here. So I think the networks were right to get together and demand that there be clearer rules and they be applied more fairly, because there's some fairly bizarre things that have gone on here, like... Uh, you know, in the Midwest, the last hour of television for a lot of stations is 9 to 10 o'clock. But it shows that air after 10 o'clock have a different set of rules in terms of indecency than those before 9 o'clock. So in that portion of the country where uh, it was nine, between 9 and 10 o'clock, they find those stations for the same show that didn't elicit a fine in the rest of the country. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of oddities here, and I think it has been handled unevenly. But the fact that they're fighting back, I think, is important. On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, our special guest is uh, entertainment industry journalist and author Alex Benblock. We'll continue with uh, Alex's long bio uh, right after this break. Uh, no, <laughs> we'll get him back here. We got him for the whole show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I want to invite you to uh, visit our website at theadvertisingshow.com. It's a, it's a really interactive website when you think about it. We've got the RSS feeds and the podcast and lots and lots and lots of industry uh, leaders on there available through podcasts as well. So go to theadvertisingshow.com. It's made possible uh, by our uh, friends at shippel.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. They've also got a, uh, a really cool thing called Tendency, which uh, drives this website as well. So go to there and see it at shippel.com. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and Jeffrey Gittimer is coming up next. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. The secret formula of customer loyalty is react, respond, and recover plus one. You do something wrong. The customer gets mad. You apologize. Try to fix the problem. Make nice to the person and hope they don't go someplace else next time. Look, when the customer is angry or you can't deliver the way they expect, the formula that will make them forgive you, continue to do business with you, and tell others about you is react, respond, and recover plus one. The customer's story is crafted by your words and deeds. How much is a positive story worth? How much is a saved customer worth? How much does a negative story cost? How much does a lost customer cost? The answer is plus one. All you have to do is ensure that the story will be positive and the customer will be saved. And what you have to do to make certain of that is add plus one at the end of the transaction. Something extra the customer is not expecting. Something that will add a smile. Something that will add some good to the situation and make a pleasant surprise a memory that will last, something the customer will talk about. Do something that is unexpected so that when they talk about you, they talk about you and tell the story bad and then how you recovered. Plus one will give you plus money in your bank account. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. 
And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. It's a weekend, and what not uh, to have but a hot dog on the weekend here with the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. If you've read the book out, Fox, the inside story of America's fourth television network, or the global bestseller, The Legend of Bruce Lee, you know this gentleman. His name is Alex Benblock, an entertainment industry and journalist uh, and author as well. So, Alex, uh, glad to have you here on the Advertising Show. Welcome back. My pleasure. Yeah, Alex, uh, NBC had a uh, five-night reality experiment recently, Celebrity Cooking Challenge, uh, ending. Oddly enough, after only three days, replaced with sitcoms and the more <laughs> successful reality series Deal or No Deal. What went wrong here, Alex? Well, uh, this was not an easy show to watch. Uh, I tried to watch it myself. And <laughs> I think that, you know, the cooking format, if you're on the Food Network and, uh, and there's sort of a context to it and it's a limited audience vehicle, I can see where that would work. In this case, you had kind of grade B or grade C celebrities competing in something that uh, doesn't have quite the dynamic that television demands these days. Uh, you may make fun of Deal or No Deal, but Deal or No Deal is quite a gripping show. People mm-hmm. really get involved in the emotion of whether or not uh, to move on to the next step and win the money. Well, who wants and, to be a millionaire? The show didn't do that. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, staying with successes and failures, bring us up to date on uh, HBO. You mentioned it earlier uh, uh, as a, certainly a, a channel that can get away with a lot of... A lot of uh, of risky programming that you don't find, of course, on broadcast networks. Uh, now in their sixth and final season of The Sopranos, how, how are the ratings uh, going for this particular program? Well, they say that the ratings for the latest uh, wave of Sopranos shows, uh, the first in a couple of years, are, by their levels, acceptable and satisfying. It doesn't seem to be having quite the big bang that it did uh, a couple of years ago, but the material has been very tough this season having the James uh, Gandolfini character go into the hospital for the first few shows and, and uh, really change the whole tone of the series, at least for that part. Uh, but HBO says they're very satisfied with it, and they continue to do breakthrough programming. They continue to be extremely profitable. And uh, remember, although this is the final season of the, of, uh, of the show, they actually are holding back some episodes, and there will be another flight of Soprano shows next year. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, HBO's show Big Love was renewed for a second season, as you well know, Alex. I'm curious, do you think that this show is surviving because of its Sopranos lead-in, or or, they, or is it a solid show on its own? Well, it hasn't held the Sopranos lead-in apparently very well, but HBO says that uh, they're satisfied enough with it to order another season, but almost all the series they do, they always uh, order at least one more season when they get into them. Even a show like Carnival, which I don't think ever really attracted a very wide audience, got uh, at least a second season order. Uh, There are the rare exceptions, shows that have been pulled after uh, only, uh, you know, one season. But uh, HBO continues to be a very powerful engine. If anything, it's becoming more dominating going forward in the new environment, which involves pay-per-view and video on demand, as well as uh, having linear channels. And uh, they're very well positioned for the future. 
Yeah, you know, uh, big fan of uh, Hallmark Hall of Fame. Ray and I were talking about this off the air before today's broadcast, and uh, no secret, Crown Media, majority owned by uh, Hallmark Cards, has uh, ended an eight-month effort to sell the Hallmark Channel because uh, they couldn't apparently get what they thought it was worth. Talk a little bit about this uh, unusual uh, uh, effort on uh, Crown Media's part and how, when compared to maybe some other recent uh, uh, acquisitions or sales that it really doesn't uh, doesn't hold. Well, Crown Media was looking for a big price, probably a couple of billion dollars for the Hallmark Channel, but they had some problems. The channel uh, attracts an older audience. Uh, the subscription fees that it gets from operators are relatively low. Uh, the amount of advertising it can sell because it attracts an older audience is somewhat limited. And so it wasn't perceived to have that value. I think there's also something else going on here, which is very important to note, and that is the whole concept of linear channels is in question right now, particularly on cable, hmm. where there's so many of them. There's a lot of switching of audience going to uh, VOD and to watching TV on the iPod and so forth. And so there's a real concern about whether these expensive channels are worth it. So even though the family channel with about the same subscriber count five years ago sold for $5 billion dollars, uh, at this point, with that subscriber count, they were unable to sell this one for even a billion dollars, from what I hear. So it's a tough market. Hmm. And for our audience who may not be familiar, describe what you mean when you say linear channels. A linear channel would be uh, like most of the channels you see, where stuff is programmed on uh, you know, a, a fixed grid, uh, one show after another, and then you either choose to watch it or not watch it, as opposed to a video-on-demand channel, which is uh, basically there at the click of a button anytime you want it. Yeah, and, you know, uh, apparently uh, major unrest in Hollywood going on right now with the current contracts uh, running out uh, for many months and even years for that matter. But yet uh, apparently uh, there's already a bit of a, uh, some tension, I guess, in Hollywood over the possibility of labor problems ahead. What, what can you tell us about that, Alex? Well, uh, about within the past year, the Screen Actors Guild, the largest union, and the Writers Guild, probably the most militant union, both chose new leadership who were elected on a platform of getting a lot more aggressive with the producers in terms of getting a share of the new media revenue in particular and just a bigger share of the money across the board if they can. And uh, this sent shockwaves through Hollywood, and uh, already the Screen Actors Guild, for instance, has voted to authorize a strike uh, for the basic cable contract uh, live action because they're not happy with the way things are going, and... The producers are upset that they would even be discussing a strike at this point. And they've already started to get some action out of it. Uh, within the past couple of weeks, for instance, the, uh, there was a landmark deal involving the Disney company, which owns ABC, made on uh, uh, Mobisodes, those little short episodes that play on a cell phone. They've agreed to pay the pay TV rate. We're going to be back in just a minute with more of, uh, actually, actually, Alex is going to join us next hour again here on The Advertising Show. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we hope you stay with us. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. You're like no other babe ever born. You're you know how to reach out and show your love, baby. You're one of the boys, but you are a real girl, baby. Yes, she has a uterus. <laughs> On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. 
right. We have Alex Ben Block with us, uh, back with us next hour, and uh, we look forward to that. We'll, we'll pick Alex's brain. I have a question about Charlie Sheen, because Charlie's in a whole bunch of hot water right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, his life has been a little bit simpler in the past, but certainly isn't now. Hey, I've well, something for you here, too. Yeah. McDonald's. I won't be wearing it, and I doubt that you will. McDonald's is making a fashion statement. The Golden Arches may be the new IZOD alligator. Not that anybody oh wears the IZOD alligator anymore. If a trend among young consumers is to be taken seriously, apparently hot boutique stores are selling T-shirts emblazoned with the vintage McDonald's slogans and imagery, and the hipster crowd is eating it up. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> I wonder if they make those things in extra large, though. You know what I mean? Well, they have to. XXL. Yes. Isn't that funny? So, you know, come on now. you got to be kidding. Yeah. It's weird. That is weird. And by the way, just fashion update, Ray, the IZOD uh, alligators come, has come back. It's it's the new hot thing, by the way. Sure. Whatever Seriously. you say. No, I'm serious. You, okay. you need to get out more. Uh, at least go to the department stores. <laughs> it's all, it, no, it really. It's a few years ago it came back, and they're, they're not using the uh, – uh, they're using the alligator occasionally, sparingly, but the IZOD has made a comeback. And don't ask me how they did it, but they did it. Oh, good. Maybe it's time to unpack those polos from the <laughs> Yes, it is. Right? Exactly. I think they, the, the vintage ones will be worth more, I would think. Oh, you would think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good news. Hey, you know, uh, this Ron Berger guy, uh, outgoing chairman of the uh, four A's who ripped the uh, crowd uh, a few weeks ago at the uh, at the convention that they had, boy, I got to tell you, that's created a lot of a uh, lot of uproar. And of course, we're talking about the the slam on uh, uh, Martin Sorrell, uh, WPP Group uh, cha- chief executive, and the mm-hmm. complimentary things that he had to say about John Wren, who of course is the uh, CEO of Omnicom. Uh, and group president and CEO as well. But, you know, there's been some speculation about why he was complimentary to John Wren, and some think that it has to do with the fact that uh, that perhaps uh, his his ad agency may be that he represents, that Berger represents, may be uh, being pursued by, uh, by uh, Omnicom. Oh, but, really? you know, yeah, well, wow. I guess it's all for speculation. But, uh, you know, wh- whoever wants to take a... Take a run at it, have at it. But he really ripped. He really ripped them. And uh, you know, I think that's what the ad agency industry's lacking. Pat, Patrick Meyer does a lot of it, as he does on our show, sure. uh, in ripping the industry for its, uh, I don't know, tendency to want to protect uh, what protects the old past, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yet, there's a significant number of people within the industry that are progressive thinkers and thinking out outside the box and creating. Uh, uh, new and innovative ways to reach today's fiscal c- consumer. So, well, there's certainly uh, no reason to not give homage to uh, uh, the people who uh, have uh, built the industry. Uh, right. But it's very short-sighted to think that that's where it stops, folks. Eh, yeah. That's wrong. It'd be like uh, hanging on to you know Henry Ford when everybody's putting air conditioning and uh, A-track tapes in their cars. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you, you, you probably had one in your car too, didn't you? A-track tape? Absolutely. Probably. I mean, yes. yeah. I was doing a lot of smoking of pot then, so I think I did, but I'm not. Re- I don't remember. Hi, Brad. I'm nice to meet you there. My I, name is Brad. Actually, I had Big Bamboo and an 8-track tape. Big Bamboo. <laughs> no. Hey, speaking of cars and the yeah. tracks and stuff like that, there's a new Toyota um, uh, out. It's called a Yaris. <laughs> Y-A-R-I-S. Yaris. Have you heard? Well, is that the is that going to be one of those hybrid deals? Well, it says, uh, let's see. Um, let me read this. Uh, it would explain. It says, online television... 
uh, campaign launch. Uh, the Wall Street Journal's Brooks Barnes writes about the uh, Toyota's move into the pseudo-branded entertainment world with a spin-off huh. series for Fox's Prison Break. Oh, I didn't know that. Which will show up on Sprint handsets. This is confusing. Not con- coincidentally, it's happening at the same time the car maker blasting off the uh, car's launch with a new uh, a slew of uh, pretty slick animated advertisement for the new Yaris ride with the full episodes of Prison Break. Have you seen Prison Break? I don't even no. know. Okay, good. Have not. I understand all the people on Prison Break uh, wear iZod shirts, okay? And uh, even better than just some nifty spots is the fact that they're all running in high def, something that Fox has most certainly been big on as well. So mm-hmm. you'll see Prison Break and Prisoners and um, the Yaris and everything like that with people wearing IZOD in high def. That's wonderful. Yeah. But well, you no, know I, I've seen this spot as well. You have? Yes. I, I have not. Uh, and speaking of high def, uh, you know, PBS is doing a lot of uh, high def programming, and I think that's uh, good because the more fluent... Uh, PBS viewer, we would think, mm-hmm. uh, would more than likely have uh, high-definition television. So maybe they're matching programming with their viewer. How about that? i got a 19-inch high-def television. It's really cool. <laughs> right. On the advertising show, Ray Shellen's Brad Forsyth. We're about to, uh, let's see, yeah, we'll do it next. It's the advertising showcase. Uh, it's up next on the advertising show. Oh, boy. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Norman, there's something I have to tell you. It's my breath. No, it's your feet. Summer 72. Norman Lassiter has hot, sweaty feet. And they stink. Chuck Bloor, (laughs) a classic spot with Rachel and Brad Forsyth. On the advertising Put your shoes show. on. Yeah, please. That'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, entertainment industry journalist and author Alex Ben Block is with us this weekend, and we'll be uh, having him on the, well, next hour. Okay, so you'll have to wait. And we certainly hope you just sit down. Don't go anywhere. Okay, good. All right. Every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. It's uh, kind of our perspective, and it's also to help you do a better job with your marketing dollars. This week we've got some good news. And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff. Here's Ray and Brad. I always like the good stuff. You know, it's fun. It gives a different perspective of what's going on here. So uh, yeah. what do you have there? You well, uh, you mentioned last week, Ray, the Volkswagen spot uh, entitled Like. It's a 60-second spot from Crispin Porter Bulgeski out of Miami. And if you have not seen it, or if you have and you're not sure what we're talking about here, this will uh, come back to you very quickly. If you've seen it, if you haven't, and you do see it, uh, <laughs> I think you will agree with uh, what we have to say here today. But the sure. spot opens with a driver who's uh, talking to his passenger uh, as they're driving down a neighborhood street, and the driver says, it's just like me, the feeling, you know, that she's gotten like uh, listening, and he keeps he keeps using the word like and like and like, and this guy, passenger, uh, looks over at him and says, have you ever tried not saying like after every other word? <laughs> driver looks at him kind of strange and says, what? And then... Uh, Passenger says, remember your ski trip story. I was like going down the hill and like this guy like cut me off and like there was a crowd and and then they go back back and forth and they're they're talking about this overuse of the word like. And what we see here is we see a truck 
at this point, a red truck backing out of a driveway, and you hear the squealing of brakes and then the big bang and the and the and uh, both the driver and the passenger side airbags deploy as they slam into the uh, side of the pickup truck. And I, I got to tell you, as you know well, well know, Ray, mm-hmm. this is an extremely realistic uh uh, impact in terms of uh, the point of view of the camera and the impact of the sound of the glass breaking and the metal crunching and so forth. And then as the spot uh, ends, you see a close-up shot of the two men looking at each other uh, from across the roof of the Volkswagen. The driver looks at the passenger and says, holy, and then, of course, a quick cut from there. We know what he was going to say, right? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. quick cut from there, and then you see on screen uh, a ramp of the car actually being displayed after it's already been smashed, and you see the line safe appearing in bold un- above the uh, uh, visual there, and then a few seconds later we see happens, safe happens. We know what the uh, little innuendo is there. Right. And then uh, we see the copy four-star front impact crash rating, and then Jetta underneath that. And, you know, uh, the action here really says it all, and it really sets up the viewer to be totally uh, surprised with the impact. But with a spot like this from Volkswagen Jetta, who's now laying claim to the brand position of car safety, Ray, remember when Volvo brand stood for safety? They owned the safest car. They owned the brand of the safest car, but they never had the safest car. Right, and, and I think they gave up that position a while ago, and I don't know if they're trying to reclaim it, but in my opinion, Volkswagen Jetta, uh, with their safety ratings uh, mentioned here over the uh, brand, uh, now utilizing that as a uh, claiming of this new safety brand position, has, has accomplished uh, taking over, in my opinion, uh, the safety position with this one single spot, single-handedly heightened with the uh, car crash and the safety connection and the impact and so forth. Anyone who sees this spot, I believe, Ray, will be hard-pressed to forget it, number one, uh, nor will they be able to make anything but a strong connection between Volkswagen Jetta and the concept of safety. So whether Volvo gave it up or whether they never really continued the strong association that Volvo had with safety and left the door open for a company like uh, Volkswagen and with the help of uh, Crispin Porter Bogusky uh, being able to position the Jetta as a, uh, a now a new safety uh, a new safe uh, automobile, then uh, too bad for Volvo and congratulations to Volkswagen and their agency Crispin Porter Bogusky for this week's advertisers showcase item of the week. And they have more of those spots as well because they're out there too. Uh, yeah. And you've got to with a case like that because after you see it once or twice, you know it's going to burn. It's like, oh yeah, that spot. Yeah, you know what's coming and it loses its impact, but uh, you're right. And you got to keep it fresh, mm-hmm. but you stay with the idea of uh, safety. And uh, again, I, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, why don't we claim the safety position uh, brand position, and there it's not the first time a, a car gets awarded some safety, you know, some safety award. But to be able to do it in a high, highly impactful way and do it in a memorable way, uh, not all are able to do that, but certainly Volkswagen with their new Jetta spots uh, and campaign are doing just that. They also have a history, history of being very well made, uh, so consequently, the safe, you know, the safety of uh, brand. Uh, would go very nicely with that as well. Yep. So, so they, maybe they bought it from Volvo. That's what they did. They bought <laughs> it from Volvo. Yeah. Um, we've got Alex Ben Block with us uh, next hour, back with us next hour here as well.
on the advertising show. And uh, what do I want to do? I, well, we got about a minute and a half here. Starbucks. We all like Starbucks, don't we? Hoping it's sure. you certainly. Its key demographic will respond to in-store promotions on uh, coffee cups and pl- uh, placards by going to see the socially conscious movie Aquila and the Bee. I think that's the way you say it. Uh, we have a unique cross-section of assets, a foundation of trust and confidence in Starbucks that can promote a movie that our customers know is relevant, said uh, Starbucks chairman Howard Schultz. Wasn't he a guest on the show? Or Howard? Uh, yes, yes, he, he was. was. Mm-hmm. Coffee chain listed as one of the film's producers and will share any profits from uh, that movie. So it's called Akiva and the Bee. So and now, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, I saw the, the uh, trailer on that. Did you? And On television, and when you look at it... <laughs> Really? In the lower left-hand corner, in really small type, and next time you see the, the promotional spot, what we call the trailer, uh, look very closely, and in real small type, in the bottom left-hand corner, you'll see the Starbucks logo. How about that? Uh, and if I'm them, I'm saying, hey, we're tying into this, we're putting all that uh, out there in our stores and promoting this, and that's all we get? Uh, yeah, right. Well, yeah. Michael McDonald only got a little bug in the corner, and he sold a whole bunch of albums, so that's a pretty good thing. But he was on there. Yeah. Well, he was on there, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So it was a little song. Yeah. Uh, that's good. We've got Alex back uh, next hour, and a whole bunch more to come. Joe Jaffe, too, and uh, let's see, Annie Borowitz, and more on the advertising show. Brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The advertising show is a big radio midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Our claim is to be entertaining and we'll fulfill that claim for you as well. The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Back for hour number two with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and the Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. We pick up the conversation where we left off last hour with entertainment industry journalist and author Alex Ben Block. Uh, and uh, Alex been around a while, okay? And uh, he's got a lot of stuff that he knows about and it's always a pleasure to talk with Alex as well. Are so, you saying he's old? No. No, he just said he's been around a while. <laughs> Hour, you know, an hour. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. anyway, so that we'll, we'll get Alex back on. We've got uh, Joe Jaffe coming up here. The uh, user-generated content is the topic in this quarter hour. And what else? Andy Borowitz. Bin Laden is in reruns. That's weird. Uh, the wacky world of marketing too. We'll talk about sheep ads and uh, a whole bunch more as well. Sheep ads, not cheap. Sheep. S H E E P ads. Yeah. Woolly hmm. sheep ads. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's that's cool. Uh, here's something that uh, I know touches both of our level of interest. Bass Pale Ale. Love oh. it. It's uh, aboard the, the latest wave of British invasion by sponsoring Brit Bus Tour, uh, which features uh, major label acts like the Magic Numbers, Hard Fi, James Blunt, and Paul Oakenfold. Oh, old Oakenfold. Old I know him. And you and I are saying... Who? The 10-City Tour starts April 30th in L.A., concludes uh, the 25th of May in uh, New York uh, with an appearance on the uh, CBS Early Show and the Hard Rock Cafe. Each stop along the 4,000-mile tour, the Brit Bus will host U.K. listening parties. Isn't that interesting? 
It says, I know there are millions of people across the United States who have simply never heard of these young Brit bands, although many of them are hugely successful in the rest of the world. This is uh, Julia Jones, who's the founder of the Brit Bus Tour. Hmm. Uh, what else here? Budget expected about 7 to 10 mil. And uh, other bass partners, Virgin Atlantic Airways, that guy's in everything. Virgin Megastore, Kicker Audio, Gibson, Epiphone, Enemy, Ashdown Amplifiers, NewYork.com, Coach USA. Oh, they're traveling on a coach. And Premier Drums, so that's that's kind of cool. Also, <laughs> Sirius Radio is doing some stuff as well, too. Well, you know, you have enough uh, bass ales, and then you have a contest of seeing how many times people can say Oakenfold uh, without stumbling and... Saying the wrong thing. Of beer in the wall. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, before we get to Jaffe, real quickly, I, I thought this was an interesting uh, little take here, Ray. Earlier this month, Walmart has decided against buying any more ads in local newspapers after a test in two states showed the expense as not being justified. Now, You're this is kidding. where, <laughs> well, this is where it gets interesting. And uh, you know, frankly, I'm not sure that I agree with this. Uh, but here we go. In a bid to improve community relations, Walmart agreed to run a test. In the holiday shop, during the holiday shopping center, it placed a full-page color ad for its electronics department in 336 smaller papers in Missouri and Oklahoma during November 20th uh, and uh, December 6th. The test showed that it did it uh, that it did increase product sales, but our margins, according to the Walmart spokesperson, their margins uh, are so thin that they did not even come close to offsetting the cost of the ads. Now. Uh, in defense of newspaper, uh, this uh, uh, Buffington guy that's a publisher uh, out of Georgia, he's a, he's a past pre- president also of the NNA. Uh, he said that it's not a, uh, a fair test because uh, trying to make a decision on cost versus benefits after one single ad, which is what we're talking about here, one single ad, uh, frankly, although I'm not a big fan of newspaper, no. and I think you probably could make a case for the fact that their uh, margins are so narrow that they would need uh, uh, a greater reaction than perhaps what they got with one ad. But I got to believe I got to agree with the newspaper guy here, Ray. And it's you know it, it's not until you've really given it a fair test, yeah. which at least is I would think maybe three or four ads during the uh, holiday season at least, and then regroup and reevaluate. And then if you find that it's not producing enough uh, mm-hmm. business, then you can justify that. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think one ad is a fair test. That's incredibly premature. It sounds like he's pissed off at somebody. Uh, it does. It could be. It, so it does. <laughs> well, you know, Walmart, I, you know, the rationale could be how, how long do we have to keep losing money before we decide that it's not working? Well, right. on the other hand, if... Uh, if it if it starts working after week two or three, you just uh, screwed yourself out of a medium that could have worked for you, but you made an early judgment on that. Exactly. It'll be yeah. fun to see what happens there. Joe Jaffe is on, his, on the way right now on the advertising show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. I want to talk to you today about consumer-generated content. Or maybe I should say consumer-generated media. Or maybe I should say user-generated media. Or maybe I should say citizen journalism. Or how about authentic media? It seems like there's a lot of thought right now and a lot of different opinions and diverging perspectives on what we should be calling this real incredible and interesting art where consumers ultimately express themselves using the power of blogs, of podcasts, of video, of iMovie, etc., etc. 
In my book, I coined the term consumer-generated content, or CGC, and I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But first, what I want to do is really take a, a little swipe at why I believe some of the other terms just don't hold water and don't make sense. First of all, let's start off with user-generated media or user-generated content. We're talking about human beings here. We're not talking about users. This is not about computers. This is about creativity. As far as consumer-generated media is concerned, well, again, I think that we're talking about something bigger than just media or advertising or selling stuff. I think what we're talking about here is something really rich and original and distinct. I want the industry to start using the term consumer-generated content. I want you to think about this idea of CGC or consumer-generated content because we're talking about humans, we're talking about consumers, expressing themselves, being creative, and ultimately generating content which, by definition, is so much more evolved and authentic and credible than the concept of media or advertising. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC, and author of Life After the 32nd Spot. It's the advertising show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. We'll bring back Alex Ben Block, entertainment industry journalist and author here. In just a few moments for a couple of segments on the advertising show. We hope you stay with us for that. Brad, uh, let's see, we got to, well, about, a, about a minute here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, what does the name Dunkin' Donuts say to you? They sell donuts, right? And a, they, and a black standard cup of coffee. Yeah, right. Well, now they're marketing themselves, uh, markets caffeine as fuel. Uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts expands nationally. Its advertising is less about the donuts and more about the coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, you reported on that uh, several months ago that they were going to try to get into the premium coffee business. Have they done this now? Well, apparently they have, and so is McDonald's trying to get into that, although I've not had any of the uh, premium coffee that McDonald's... They did a taste test uh, as well, not switching from Dunkin' to McDonald's, but uh, they did a taste test and found that there was the... Uh, the Starbucks brand uh, didn't really uh, do as well as it, they thought it would up against the, this McDonald's premium coffee. I just, I, have you had any of that? I no, I haven't, and I just can't envision the market that goes to Dunkin' Donuts sitting there on the stool with their coin slot showing. I can't imagine them ordering a latte. I just can't see it. Because uh, you don't dunk donuts at, uh, <laughs> a latte, at yes. Starbucks. At yeah. I don't think so. Correct. I've never done that. Well, of course, uh, there's the Izod logo as well. So. That's true. Whatever. Why does that keep coming up? We've got more on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We uh, invite you to go to our website, theadvertisingshow.com. Oops, you're there already. That's great. Stay right here on The Advertising Show. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Thanks for sticking around here on the advertising show, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And if you were listening hour one, we hope you were. It's uh, our special guest returning out of California, Alex Ben Block, an entertainment industry journalist and author. And it's great to have you here on the show. Alex, welcome back. Thanks so much. You know, before we uh, talk about this year's upfronts, let's. Uh, if you're a regular listener to the advertising show, you've heard Alex on the show before, and perhaps you heard us speaking last January about uh, Rosie O'Donnell and her uh, report at that time to a press conference or a, a number of reporters, I should say, that she was interested in appearing in another television show. Well, now Viacom's Logo Channel has ordered six episodes of Rosie's sketch comedy project, tentatively titled, you'll like this, Ray, <laughs> The Big Gay Show. Oh, good. 
So uh, what that's, are your thoughts on this, point. Alex, and, and, how, <laughs> and how is the uh, Logo Channel doing rating-wise? Well, you know, there were three different channels aimed at the gay audience. It all went on at about the same time, and Logo is one of those three. And I think all of them have struggled a little bit, some more than others. Uh, you know, Rosie O'Donnell doing this, it's not the same as uh, having a syndicated talk show that attracts millions of people every day. Mm -hmm. This is a more limited audience. And my sense is this is also kind of more of a uh, production thing than a, than a starring thing. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think this precludes her doing other things, but uh, she's very much into her lifestyle, and uh, I guess she wants to share it. She recently did a piece for HBO, uh, a special where she went on a cruise that involved uh, the gay people, and, uh, you know, I don't think that got a tremendous reaction. So I think there's kind of a narrow niche here for this, and she's serving that niche, but I don't expect it to become a mass phenomena. Yeah, it certainly is niche, and uh, I, I don't know how well Logo is, uh, the Logo channel is distributed. I don't find it on my local uh, cable network, cable channel, or cable, cable provider, I should say. But <laughs> Not that I watch it, but uh, no, it's on Dish Network, or oh, is it? excuse me, DirecTV as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, let, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, especially considering all the changes going on in traditional media, Alex, what's, what's the buzz around the networks and buyers this year for this year's Upfront? Well, you know, the upfront continues to be kind of problematical. Every year we say the upfront's probably going to go away, and every year it's bigger than ever. Uh, we're headed into what probably is going to be a pretty good advertising year for television, despite the fact there's so many channels and the market's somewhat diluted and there's inflationary pressures. But what's going to push it is the midterm elections and gubernatorial elections and so forth are going to sell a, really a bonanza of political advertising. Uh, for local stations as well as networks and for cable and satellite. And so that's going to take off enough inventory to make the rest of the inventory appear tight. And so I would expect that the major networks that are doing well, Fox and CBS uh, among them, are going to have another very strong upfront. You know, it was interesting because last year, uh, being the first down year since uh, 01, uh, you know, and not being able to be associated with uh, any economic issues domestically, uh, you're expecting a. I guess you would expect a, uh, an improvement over last year, but you're you're not you're not seeing a downtrend then. Well, there are going to be pockets of downtrend, and, and you know you don't want to be the network that's on the short end of the stick here, because uh, they're going to spend the money where they think it's most wise. And in the old days, everybody got something. Now you really got to deliver the goods, or you're not going to get something. So. Uh, you know, we've seen NBC make some improvements, but they're not going to have as great a year as, say, ABC, who have really come on uh, strongly and uh, can really cash in on some of the things they've been able to do. You know, let's uh, shift gears here and talk a little bit about uh, the influence of the web and, and uh, digital media on traditional media. Is the notion that affiliates can leverage networks into preserving any trace of exclusivity unrealistic, especially with, uh, you know, the tendency for many of these networks to repurpose their programming on uh, uh, various uh, uh, venues online? Well, that's really a battle in the marketplace right now. As you probably know, ABC is running an experiment where they're showing some of their key shows on the Internet right after they air on TV for free, but the commercials can't be skipped, or at least in theory. Uh, you know, you can still get up and leave the room if you want, but you can't mm -hmm. make them go away the way you can on, say, a uh, TiVo machine. Uh, but even though ABC did that, CBS has come out and said, we're not going to do that. We don't mm -hmm. think that's the right way to do it, and it is an exclusivity issue with our affiliates. 
the affiliates, quite rightfully, uh, the affiliated TV network stations, they have a right to be very nervous because uh, their role is changing. The whole idea of the middleman is changing. There's much more uh, of content flowing directly from uh, the makers of that content to the consumer and bypassing uh, the local stations. So uh, with a lot of these new media deals, well, Fox has shared with them. ABC hasn't shared with them. And so uh, I think that there is a lot of concern on the local station level, uh, not just about whether they have a future or not, because they probably do have a future, but whether or not they can sustain the awesome values that these stations have gone for in recent years, because if you see those values drop, they would have a tremendous effect on the stock of that, those companies and on the entire business, and we could even see some affiliates begin to falter in the future. You know, it'll be interesting to see if Disney's uh, decision to offer TV shows for free will have any impact on uh, those that charge for TV episodes. But I'm curious, Alex, shouldn't TV be looked at differently than music on iTunes, even though, you know, your video uh, iPods capability now? But, you know, to me, there's, you know, so little potential, I guess, for repetitive play when it comes to TV programs, unlike music. Well, I think that there is a comparison here, because what's happened really is, and you could argue this goes all the way back to the VCR, is we've entered the age of retail television. So instead of buying it wholesale in the sense that either as a consumer of broadcast television or a subscriber to cable television, you get a whole bunch of programming and just sort of sift through it, now with the iPod and with the delivery on cell phones and, uh, and uh, all these other forms of distribution over the Internet, uh, you can buy the shows you want one at a time. And while it's true you may not watch the same TV show over and over again, there are so many TV shows you don't need to watch them over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, But I think that the way people watch TV, the way they buy television, and the way television is distributed is all changing because of this new technology. You know, it, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where it all goes as it's still shaking out. Last hour we were talking about Hallmark uh, Channel being moved off the block, and certainly no secret here. Uh, Spanish uh, television uh, or broadcast giant Univision has been on the block for a while, and yet uh, no takers? What's going on there? Well, this is a very big, very expensive deal. Univision, which of course is the largest Spanish-language broadcaster, is enormously valuable, and it's run by a uh, multi-billionaire named Jerry Parencio, and he's looking for something north of probably $12 billion here for this property. And you could argue that Spanish-language television in some ways is kind of at the peak uh, right now for several reasons. One is it just started getting ratings from Nielsen, which has made it look very good. Another is that the, uh, uh, the Spanish population, you know, is watching a lot of TV, but a lot of the second generation don't speak Spanish the way their parents did. Mm, right. You have to wonder going forward if it's going to be quite the same thing. Mm. But uh, don't think that there's no interest here. You have several different groups coalescing. Uh, Televisa which is the big uh, Spanish, uh, Mexican broadcaster that provides a lot of the programming for Univision, is in the process of joining together with a number of the big uh, venture capital funds or asset management funds that have, we've seen uh, involved in buyouts before uh, to come up with a bid. And more recently, we've heard that both ABC and CBS are back in the market and are considering bids and are kicking those tires. I think it's hmm. interesting that you mentioned the fact that it's hit its peak, or at its peak, I should say. Uh... You, you see that dropping then, near in, in the near well, future? Well, the Hispanic influence in the United States is going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is they, they may not necessarily be watching purely Spanish-language programming as much. Mm-hmm. That this, this new generation watches things like CTV, SITV, 
which mingles Spanish and English, or a lot of them just, you know, they'll watch Desperate Housewives on Sunday night just like the Anglos do. So, you know, they're, they're I wouldn't say they're a thicker audience, but they move around. You can't guarantee they're going to be any one place. Speaking of, of that, they uh, move around. We're going to take a break here, Brad. Uh, Brad okay? I was, was going to say, they call that Spanglish, as Spanglish, I recall. Right. Yeah, okay. uh, I was talking about ads that move around. They're called sheep ads. <laughs> and not sheep ads. They're sheep ads. And, and that's <laughs> next here on the True. I like that. If you, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll yeah. do that next. The Wacky World of Marketing on the way with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest, Alex Benblock, entertainment industry journalist and author. And more with Alex in just a minute. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update heads to Amsterdam, where AP reports a Dutch company that is blanketing roadside sheep with its logo faces a $60,000 U.S. fine, but said Monday it's the mayor of a small town nearby who should feel sheepish for trying to ban the ad campaign. The hotel bookings company, Hotels.nl, began what it thought was a humorous campaign covering sheep with blankets bearing its logo along highways near Amsterdam. Well, you can see that the local government was not thrilled about that and is trying to stop them. Well, we'll see how this pans out. The company says if they lose, they've got 700 blankets for horses. And they said that the townspeople are more than happy to display them. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Men, beware. Use one dab of Brill Cream. Just a little dab makes your hair look excitingly clean, disturbingly healthy. Well, the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, guys, used to use Brill Cream. Now, because we're more manly men, we use mousse. Butch wax. Butch wax. Oh, yeah. Don't <laughs> go there. want to be disturbingly healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Alex Benblock for one more segment here on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Yeah, Alex, welcome back to the show. i, I got to tell you, you know, the journalist, the print journalist, of which I guess you're one uh, uh, in terms of just being a member of that uh, of that group, they have really struggled with uh, credibility in, in the journalist industry, the print journalist industry, and in particular most recently, I guess, with uh, uh, in the wake of Page Six and the scandal with the New York Post. And, of course, the uh, New York Times is loving it. And then uh, then we also had the launch of a, of a new gossip uh, uh, tabloid that was uh, also part of the New York Post uh, uh, recently. Bring us up to date on what's going on there, Alex. Well, the whole world of gossip has been kind of turned upside down by this uh, issue of what some people call the page fix scandal. Uh, a millionaire uh, in California was approached by a reporter from page six, uh, and he videotaped it. And uh, according to the allegations, uh, the reporter asked him to pay him something like $220,000 over a year in order to guarantee he'd get favorable treatment in a gossip column. Uh, well, whether that's true or not, and uh, whether or not the reporter ends up with uh, legal problems or not is yet to be seen. There have been no charges filed. But what it has done is shined a light on the whole process of this gathering of news, people being paid off, not necessarily with money, that's pretty unusual, but with free trips and gifts and favors, 
or in the case of, say, Richard Johnson, who recently got married, who is the guy who runs Page Six, his uh, new wife until recently was employed by one of the companies that he regularly writes about in the column. Hmm. So there's a lot of different ways to pay people off that uh, may or may not be ethical, may or may not be legal. And uh, unfortunately, what's happened is, despite the fact there's a lot of hardworking journalists who really, uh, you know, pour their heart out and, and do their job, when something like this comes along, it tires everybody with the same brush. And it's, uh, it's definitely been a black eye for all of journalism and one that I hope we can put behind us. And recently, I understand uh, Page Six came out with a tabloid uh, of the same name and uh, reached back into uh, the way I understand it from reading, I think it's from the New York Times, they've reached back to some prominent uh, players that have been covered in the Page Six uh, uh, article, uh, well, column, I should say, uh, as advertisers to support the Page Six uh, tabloid. Have you, have you read about well, they that? They call it the Page Six magazine. Yes. And what it is is a separate uh, freestanding magazine. I think it was uh, delivered in the Post the first time, but in right. the future they plan to make it a freestanding magazine. And the fellow, the reporter who's accused of asking for the bribes, uh, who was a part-time employee, was actually the editor of Page Six magazine. He's <laughs> now been removed as editor, and Richard Johnson, uh, the full-time employee who runs Page Six, has now been named editor. Uh, and exactly, but, uh, you know, the, the people they write about are the people they've gone to try and get as advertisers. And the whole thing has kind of a uh, unsettling and somewhat unfair feel to it. And there's definitely ethical questions that have been raised here, but we're talking about the New York Post. Yeah. This is kind <laughs> of a, a moving ethical uh, feast of uh, lack of ethics on a daily basis. Well, that so, says it right on the front page, right under the headline. It says that. That's the tagline. <laughs> hey, as long as we're into gossip here, what about your good friend Charlie Sheen? What in the heck's going on there, the two-and-a-half-minute guy? Well, you know, it's kind of a sad story. First of all, Two and a Half Men is a huge success. It's the number one comedy on television. It's an incredible show. It's going to go out in syndication soon and make everybody involved so rich. Uh, they, they're going to have to uh, bypass Fort Knox as being too small for the amounts <laughs> of money they're going to come in here in the Alimony. hundreds of millions of dollars. But his personal life is a mess. He's involved in a terribly uh, horrible divorce, uh, and papers came out last week saying that... Uh, he abused prescription drugs, and he did a whole litany of other things that were inappropriate or, and from a PR point of view at least, uh, not very uh, favorable to him. Uh, and unfortunately, one of the things that came out in that was that he looked on the computer at images of young girls, and he was doing so the night before he went out and announced a fashion line for young girls. Oh, jeez. Which uh, seemed to be in pretty bad taste. Even he had to make some jokes about it that day at the press conference. Well, the good news is his approval rating is 56, okay? A lot better than well, 38. better than President Bush. Right? Yeah, exactly right. But he hadn't started a war yet. <laughs> no, well, you know, staying with his wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ray, what do we have? A few minutes left? Yeah, a couple of minutes here. Yeah, yeah. you know, staying with, uh, uh, just kind of jumping around here, Rod Stewart performed on American Idol a few, uh, several weeks ago, and even the contestants had to perform songs from Stewart's latest album, uh, Great American Songbook. And later on, uh, Barry Manilow shows up doing the same thing. Most recently, this uh, past week, Andrea Bocelli, one of my favorites, uh, uh, was used in uh, a similar way to help the help the team along, so to speak. I'm wondering, Alex, it, do you think viewers even know who Rod Stewart and Barry Manilow are, let alone those standards <laughs> that they're asked to sing about? And we've got about a minute left here. Well, Barry Manilow just had the biggest record of his life, so somebody knows he's out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, there have been some others that are more questionable. 
uh, you know, a lot of this has to do with the record companies behind these artists and who they're pushing as well. Uh, so, you know, it's a gimmick, but we can't argue with success. Take a look at American Idol ratings this year. Whatever they're oh, doing, yeah. from a business point of view, they're doing the right thing because it has been the dominant television show of the season once again. If anything, it's even bigger than it was before. It's uh, blown away one major competitor after another in terms of shows that went up against it. So uh, I'm not bidding against American Idol. Some of these people uh, definitely you got to get out the, uh, the the broom and dust them off a little bit. <laughs> but that doesn't mean the show it doesn't have appeal. Right. Hey, we've got a we got a break again, Alex. Thanks again for taking time out of your busy weekend here to be a part of the advertising show. It's always a pleasure to have you here. I'm glad to do it. Talk to you soon. You Thanks, got it. Alex. Back with more Bye-bye. on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth in just a moment. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. When Paul's breath is getting down, just call on, call on, call on. Release his breath, all around, so call on. Thanks again to Alex Ben Block, our special guest here on the advertising show today. Uh, it's always a blast to have Alex there. And yeah. Seth uh, Stevenson is going to be with us next week. Seth is the advertising columnist uh, with Slate Magazine, S L A T E. That's Mr. Slate. He used to be in the rock quarry business, and he opened up a magazine, and now he's doing that. So that'll be right. fun. So there we go. <laughs> hey, he's you know, uh, Plate Magazine. That's true. No, this guy's a, a this guy's a, a huge uh, talent, uh, very well informed, and should be a great show. Uh, advertising columnist, as you mentioned, for Slate, Slate dot com. If you want to know more, uh, Ray, we opened the show talking about Walmart and deciding not to do local ads uh, in newspapers anymore after their quote unquote test. Although, again, not a huge fan of newspaper, and I think we'll see newspaper continue to. Go down the tubes, but, you know, whenever you hear about uh, research, and, you know, I assume that the vast majority of our audience is hip to this, but whenever you hear about studies that were done and, you know, if you do this, this will happen, and usually they're medical-type studies, that a lot of these are sponsored by pharmaceutical companies, and this uh, corporate-sponsored uh, research is all the thing nowadays. And here, here, I think, is out of that same category of corporately, uh, or in this case, a trade organization-sponsored uh, research, a study of the top 50 markets conducted by Scarborough Research by the newspaper, here comes the political part, by the mm-hmm. Newspaper Association of America, shows that, I don't, I don't know how I can believe this, 78% of adults in those markets, top yes. 50 markets, Read a print version of a newspaper over the course of five weekdays and one Sunday. That would cover 116 million out of the 149 million adults who live in those markets. I don't believe that, but that's what they say. In well, addition, the indicator what? there is that it was, it was conducted by the newspaper. In, right. Okay. Right. The Newspaper Association of America. Right. right. In addition, which we've had them on the show before a few times, sure. uh, representatives of that organization. Uh, in addition, 69% of the adults 18 to 24, this is the real difficult one here. Think about it. 18 to 24 year old adults. In addition, 69% of 18 to 24 year old adults 
read the paper at least once a week. That must be when the mom or dad is saying, would you take the trash out? And it's laying on the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, I can't see an 18 to 24-year-old, and certainly not 69% of 18 to 24-year-olds in the top 50 markets reading a newspaper once a week. I'm sorry. I don't see that. Well, is this any different than what the RAB does or the Outdoor Association of America does? They yeah. all have their stats and stuff like that, you know, that right. obviously say, hey, by the way, we're very powerful here. Yeah, well, this is the recent study, and anybody that reads anything about newspaper, especially when you're talking about major market newspaper, uh, I think in small markets, newspaper can still survive uh, mm-hmm. because it's local and it's uh, people want to hear, and, and even medium-sized markets, I think they have greater strength because people want to know what's going on in their little community. But in a major market... It's all about local folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a major market, you have so many options, so mm-hmm. many different options to get your, you get your, uh, consume your, your news. Or as uh, Joe Jaffe says, uh, consumer-generated content, content, as opposed yeah. to content. user-generated content. I think they're the same, but... Who well, they are. They're, they're exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. I, I, get a, I get, always get a, a chuckle out of... Um, and, I, and they do a great job. It's a local community newspaper association... And they have lots and lots and lots of communities that they're in, and, you know, you can't target your message. The community papers, yes. The community papers. But when they throw out the numbers, it's like, wait a minute, you throw them on people's driveways. Mm -hmm. That doesn't count, okay? They don't have to buy them. They have to. Do, yeah. They do have to pick them up, and sometimes That's, they run yeah. over them with their car. They count that as their circulation. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. come on, don't even go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, show me some. Show me some success stories if you're if you're going to show me uh, uh, validity and yeah. the power of the paper. And again, they're they're great papers and everything, but don't tell me you got a circulation of, you know, six hundred and fifty thousand. When I know all that is is you know twelve trees basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Um, Cable started that way years ago. They couldn't tell you how many people were viewing. They just told you how many people were subscribing to cable. Uh, Satellite is struggling with that same thing right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not releasing any numbers. Uh, But, uh, you know, for example, Stern, I think, has... uh, let me think. They have. They, they, you don't know how many people are listening to Stern on satellite, but uh, the total number of people subscribing to... Uh, to uh, Sirius Satellite, I'm trying to remember the number. It's not. It's not that large, and, and it was, they thought it would be as well. It was. It's like uh, you know, single digit millions, and it's closer to one than it is ten. I don't remember the exact number, but I think that what I just said is accurate. Uh, and I got to tell you, even the, so, you'd have to say if everyone that subscribes to Sirius would be, is listening, be listening. Yeah, the, is, here's your cue. Yeah, is listening to uh, to uh, Howard. Yeah. He still has only a fraction of the audience he had when he was uh, on Infinity, now known as CBS. And on the terrestrial side, uh, interesting stuff. Corolla, uh, David Lee Roth are gone. Opie and yeah. Anthony are replacing them already. That mm-hmm. didn't take too long. No. Uh, back with more on the advertising show. Borowitz coming up in just a moment. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Today's your group day. Today you 
you've got a running start. You're a man who feels the part. It's your lucky Brute Day today. Get your day off to a running start with Brute 33 active person. Can also be used as a disinfectant as well on the advertising <laughs> show with Rachel and Red Forsyth. And, uh, pass thanks. the Jade East. God, yeah, pass it. Or the English way. leather. Yeah, I, I like, kind of like the English leather. It was good stuff. Yeah. Alex Ben Block, uh, thanks again for Alex, as always, uh, coming on the show. And Seth Stevenson. Advertising columnist at Slate Magazine uh, will be the, uh, with us uh, next week. Here, you want you want to hear what Borowitz is up to here? Well, or real, before before you uh, just to wrap up television for a minute, this just came out real quickly. Anderson Cooper, you know him well, sure. Uh, an occasional contributor to C- will become an occasional contributor to CBS News sixty Minutes while keeping his primary job on CNN as anchor of Anderson Cooper 360. The New York Post broke this earlier this week. And what's interesting, if this happens, this is, uh, uh, well, we'll see. But in any event, if it does happen, and it seems that it will, uh, Cooper will uh, have the right to show his segments from 60 Minutes on his CNN 360 report. So (laughs) a little bit of cross-promotion there. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It's, but, uh, it's a lot of cross-promotion. It is, and, uh, you know, the big winner there, I guess, would be 60 Minutes because uh, Anderson Cooper, I, I think he's an up-and-comer and does a good job. He's an incredibly, incredibly good person. He was real prominent in the Katrina stuff and did a lot of good yeah. stuff down there as well. So that yeah. was interesting. Speaking of Katrina, the, uh, our president was in the area uh, this past week working on building um, building up homes and such like that. Right. And, and, uh and and then he, of course he gets cornered by the news. I think this was uh, what was it? NBC News. Uh, you know they're saying, well, what do you think about uh, what do you think, Mr. President, about um, about uh, the you know the congressman look uh, looking to axe uh, FEMA? And he says, well, I think they're doing a real you know we got to rebuild here. He, he avoided the question completely. And then and then of course they hit him with the thirty six percent approval rating. It's like, mm. oh come on, give it up, you guys already. The man's out there hitting. Nails and buildings up stuff for people. You know, give him a break. He's trying. He's trying. He could bring yeah. the gas price down. I'm sure that would make things uh, warm up nicely. A couple phone uh, calls. A couple of phone calls. <laughs> and, yeah, bring it below three bucks a gallon, please, if you would. Thank you very much. We'll have him in for a third term. Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> no. No, I don't think so. Uh, here's, here's Andy on the advertising show. Hi. This is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. Just one day after supposedly a new terror tape by Osama bin Laden was broadcast on the Arabic-language TV network Al Jazeera, the terror mastermind admitted that the tape, which had been billed as completely a new terror tape, was actually a rerun from October of 2004. I had promised my fans that I was going to be releasing a new terror tape with 100% new material and embarrassed Mr. Bin Laden said in an official statement posted on his fan club's website. I know I let my fans down and that's what hurts most of all. The admission that Mr. Bin Laden's latest tape was in fact a rerun set shockwaves through the executive corridors of Al Jazeera, which had been promoting a new tape for Mr. Bin Laden for weeks, in an effort to mine ratings gold. Whenever there's a new Bin Laden tape, that's appointment television for our viewers, one Al Jazeera executive said. And for him to pull something like this is just unforgivable. The executive said that Mr. Bin Laden's last several terror tapes have been weaker than previous ones, leading some of the network to accuse him 
of phoning it in. But until Mr. Bin Laden can return with a genuinely new terror tape that is up to broadcast standards, the executive said that the network would begin airing programs from other fanatical maniacs. We're going to give Pat Robertson 700 Club a try. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Boy, oh boy, he didn't hold anything back there, did he? Uh-uh. <laughs> Never does. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. And Six million bucks for five years, and what is it for? Um, well, it's not a television schedule. This is uh, Global Bank HSBC, which I've never heard of before. Maybe you have. Uh, the $6 million a year for five years to be the sole non-airline advertiser on the jet bridges that connect the airlines and gates at Kennedy International, run by the Port Authority. That's hmm. pretty good. You know, we, we talk about um, untapped resources, like uh, here in our home market of Houston, there is no advertising on buses, and I don't see really why that's shouldn't be. I, you know, it doesn't bother me. I think it's great. People get creative and do a lot of good stuff with bus advertising. Yeah. What a revenue thing. Six, one advertiser, six million a year for five years to the Port Authority of New York. They should be able to sell uh, something cheaper there because of that. That's a lot of money. Well, you know, uh, several years ago in, in Houston, they did allow uh, ads on buses. And they I had remember them, that, and they, yeah. yeah, and they had some issues with... Uh, People not using mass transit in Houston, not that a lot of people still do. They don't. Uh, it's kind of like L.A. You know, everybody has a car. And uh, so I think that was uh, part of the uh, redesign of the buses and got rid of the ads because they felt that it was a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a, a, sore, a sore eye, I suppose. But, you know, in Houston, Texas, outdoor advertising, it's everywhere. Yeah. So what what difference does it make whether it's on a bus or two? I just wish Metro would get to get smart about that and say, listen, we're missing a big opportunity here. Do something like well, that. Well, I think it's probably one of the last areas in Houston that's not covered up with an ad. So, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that is a breath of fresh air, isn't it? Yeah. Well, if you're ever behind a bus, a no, breath of not. fresh air is not what comes to mind. And please tell me why there are only two, normally two people on the bus: the driver well, and somebody else. That's right, the driver and the the one guy sitting in the back going. Take a left up here. <laughs> I always wanted my own car. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. We have the same thing going with Metro Rail here as well. Uh, that's been Nobody uses it? No, people use it. It just runs into a lot of things. Those trains are <laughs> oh, dangerous, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, they're... Cars. They're, they're dangerous. Yeah. They go fast. They're not little light rail. This is a full-fledged train going about yeah. 50 or 60 miles. Well, it's not going that fast, but it feels like it. So anyway, uh, thanks to Alex Benblock, and let's see, we've talked about buses and Walmart and what else, a whole bunch of stuff today. Safe car ads, go get yourself a Volkswagen, that'll be good. Seth Stevenson, advertising columnist for the uh, for Slate Magazine, will be with us next time on The Advertising Show. And we invite you to go to the website, theadvertisingshow.com. Great destination, because what you're actually going to be able to do is hear a condensed version of this show. Uh, you just had water. And uh, you can hear a condensed version of the show uh, here just, well, not momentarily, but a little while away, okay? It's pretty cool. TheAdvertisingShow.com. Join us. Advertising Age Magazine is our sponsor. Visit online at adage.com. It's a big radio midgets production. <laughs>